today is a little bit of a different kind of day. Most of today is going to be me uh, setting the tone by telling you a personal story. It's a tough story. It's a true story, and it's a re recent story. Um, and I don't know how you guys are going to receive it, and frankly, I don't know how it's going to come out of me because it's really close to home. But um, I just want to feel led to, to share it with you, so we're going to share it. You guys remember, um, whether you were here or not, uh, Freedom Weekend was just three weeks ago. And we opened the weekend on Friday night by sharing what I feel is God's promise to us, the Woods Edge Student Ministry, for the entire year of 2018, that he is going to deliver us into the season where rescue and refreshment and revival are just going to be happening on an ongoing basis. And if you need rescue anywhere in your life, you're in the right place, and we all do. And if you need refreshment anywhere in your life, you're in the right place, because God's promising that this year. And if you desire revival, like Old Testament, like um, when America began, just revival in the church, revival that just transforms people's lives, if you desire to be a part of that, if you desire to witness that and experience that, you are in the right place. Now, God led me to a passage promising that, um, and I'm going to have a tattoo either here or here so that I can keep it in front of me for the rest of the year in about a week or two, but he took me to Isaiah chapter 4 when I asked him, what do you have for me, for my family, and for the student ministry for 2018? And he led me to chapter 4 of Isaiah, which says, the day is coming when the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. The fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of all who survive in Israel. Now, the Lord will provide shade for Mount Zion and all who assemble there, which is what we're doing right now. He will provide a canopy of cloud during the day and smoke and flaming fire at night, covering the glorious land, and it will be a shelter from daytime heat and a hiding place from storms and rain. If you look, you see rescue in there, refreshment, revival. He's saying this church, and not just in this building, but this church is going to be a place of shelter. It's going to be a safe place for us to be together, to be ourselves, to walk out our relationship with the Lord. And I knew this was God's promise. I knew this was him answering my prayer of, what do you have for us in 2018? Because it lined up perfectly with a verse I'd gotten just a couple months before in my quiet time. And when I saw that verse, I'm like, is, is this going to be part of what you have for us in the coming year? That verse was Isaiah 32, which says, look, a righteous king is coming and honest princes and princesses will rule under him. And each one of those princes and princesses will be like a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the storm, streams of water in the desert, and the shadow of a great rock in a parched land. Then everyone who has eyes will be able to see the truth, and everyone who has ears will be able to hear it. These two verses have so much in common. If, if Isaiah chapter 4, what I feel like God is promising us as a Woods Edge student ministry, if Isaiah 4 is God promising us revival, then Isaiah 32 is telling us this is what it's going to look like. And here's the two things I want us to take note of this morning. The first line is, look, a righteous king, capital K, Jesus Christ, is coming. If you desire revival in your life, in your home, in your school, in your church, the main ingredient, the essential ingredient is Jesus Christ. Revival doesn't happen without Jesus Christ. Revival won't occur in us or this church without us making it all about Jesus Christ. And then the second sentence says, and honest princes, honest princesses will rule 
under Jesus. God uses honesty. He uses honest people, authentic people, to usher in revival. Um, How does honesty usher in revival? Well, because telling the truth is like providing shelter from the wind. When you tell the truth, when we're honest about where we're at and what's going on in our lives, it, it gives us shelter from the things that would just blow us away. When we tell the truth, it's like we're establishing for ourselves, it's like we're receiving from God a refuge from storm. I don't have to worry about the storms of life when I'm just honest about myself, my relationship with God, when I tell the truth. When we tell the truth, it's like water in a desert. Um, When you're honest about where you're at, it's refreshing. I mean, Look at so many movies in Hollywood where it's just like the people are in those awkward positions where they're just lying and they're trying to protect their lie. But at the end of the movie, what do they always do? They finally tell the truth. They deal with their consequences, but it's always better. It's always refreshing. It's like water in a desert. It's like a shadow in a parched land. Telling the truth will protect you from just being burned up and destroyed. Now, as your pastor... As a pastor, it is my job, it is my responsibility, it is my duty before God, my Savior, and my King to model, to demonstrate that kind of honesty and vulnerability and authenticity, to to live my life on display for the benefit of others. That is a a pastor's responsibility. Um, And we did that, I did that during Freedom Weekend, right on Friday night, when I announced to you guys that Brooke and I were pregnant with a, with a kiddo that we had been trying for for months. Um, if you weren't here or if you were here, I want to give you a reminder of that moment. It was the end of Friday night, and it looked something like this. That this morning, my wife took a test, and we are pregnant with that third child. That's enough, Chase. So we, we were so excited about that moment. We were so blessed by that moment. Um, we were so excited to share that moment with you because you're part of our family, and we consider... I mean, we told you guys before we told relatives. We told you guys before we told close friends because we wanted to share that with you, and we felt like it's been part of not only our journey but yours. Um, and... I just felt like God said and reminded me, like, this is a season of authenticity. This is a season of honesty. I'm calling you to be open and live your life open like a book so that all can see me in it. And so that's part of that, celebrating the wins and the the good things in our life. But also part of that is sharing the the disappointments and the frustrations and the hurt, too. Um, We lived our life on display for you guys when we announced our pregnancy, and we lived our life on display for you when we made this social media post just a week ago. Friends, forgive the sensitivity of this post. I don't have the right words, so I will just share an excerpt from my quiet time yesterday. Good afternoon, Father. Thank you for today. Thank you for these few hours alone with Brooke and that she is sleeping now. You know, after our difficult pregnancy with Wyatt, that we decided that we were done having kids. But then this summer, you placed the promise of another son in our hearts. And when I asked if we were indeed to try for that third child, you led me to Jeremiah chapter 31, which said, the Lord will cause something new 
to happen. And a woman shall compass a man. And so we tried for a third child, and a new thing happened. And by faith, we named him Canaan Joshua. And for the past six weeks, we have enjoyed the fruit of your fulfilled promise as Brooke has surrounded our little man. But last week, Brooke started bleeding. And today, we learn the sad news that Cain and Joshua is gone. And it seems that the little boy that you moved us to name for the promised land simply could not wait to get there. And as a result of that, at least, I am thankful that he will never get sick. And he will never break a bone. He will never have to go to the dentist. Canaan will never know a hurt or hurt another or sin in any way. And I am so thankful that Canaan is with you. But we are so sad that he couldn't spend more time here with us. And we knew there was a possibility of this going in. For we knew what verse 15 of Jeremiah said. There was a cry heard in the land, deep anguish and bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children were gone. Lord, we knew the risk, but we went in anyway. We followed you because you are God and we are not. Because we live by faith and not by sight. Because we know that you never call your children into pain without a purpose. So we weep this weekend and we anguish and we slowly begin to look for your purpose in this together. Jeremiah 31, 16 through 17. Do not weep any longer for I will reward you, says the Lord. Your children will come back to you from the distant land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, says the Lord. And I just pray, Lord, teach us what that means. How would you have us walk through this? And he brought a verse into my mind, and I opened to it, and I, and I read it, and I knew it was God's instructions for me. And so I wrote them out. It's 2 Samuel chapter 12, and David asks, is my son dead? Is my infant child dead? Yes, they replied, he is dead. And then David got up from the ground, he washed himself, he anointed himself, he changed his clothes, and then he went to church and he worshiped the Lord. And after that, he returned to the palace and he was served food and he ate. And his advisors were amazed and they said, we don't understand you. While the child was still living, you wept and you refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you have stopped your mourning and you're eating again. And David replied, I fasted and I wept when the child was alive, for I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let my son live. And that's exactly where I was just two hours before writing this down, just begging God, let it be okay. But why should I fast now that he's gone? 
Can I bring my son back again? No. But I will go to be with him one day. He cannot return to me, but I will return to him. And then David comforted his wife. My quiet time finished up by me just saying, you are God. You are good. We love you. We trust you. We look to you. Do not let our weeping hinder our worship. Redeem our suffering. Reward our faith. Refresh our hearts. Heal my bride. We thank you for the hope that we always have in you, Jesus. Thank you for the gift of Cain and Joshua. Thank you for the assurance that we will see him again. I cannot explain to you guys the the pain and the disappointment of that day and many days since then. Even today, I'm feeling it. Brooke is feeling it. Um, It is not what we expected. That event, that that result of pursuing Jesus, Canaan dying in the womb, was not what we wanted. Um, and when things like this happen, I really there's like two choices for us. We, we either run from God in anger and frustration and disappointment. We, we blame him and we, we leave him. Or we can, we can just press into him that much more. We can just cling to him like we got nothing else. And that has been the way that Brooke and I have been these past couple weeks. We have been clinging to Jesus because we don't have anything else. We, we just know he's, he's the only hope. He's the only reason I can trust that I will see my son who I never got to meet. I will see him again. I don't know how people go through moments like this of losing a child, of extreme heartache and break without the hope of Jesus Christ. I, I just... I can't understand it. And it is, it is not easy to talk about this to you. Um, this morning, all morning, I have been frustrated. I have been like on, on the verge of anger. I have been nitpicky because I knew that I'm going to get up here and talk about this very raw thing. And it is not easy to stand up here. But you are my family. And I, I hope you consider me part of yours. And God is calling us to a season of honesty, openness, vulnerability, authenticity. So to hide this from you, to to tuck my pain, to just swallow it and cramp it down and keep it to myself is not God's will for me or for you. And Brooke and I, despite the frustration and the disappointment and the pain and the ups and downs, and it will continue to be up and down probably for months for us, um, we have been amazed to see how God has used our openness and vulnerability in just letting people know how things are going and asking for prayer and and being vulnerable. Um, Being open with this brokenness has been, God has used it to encourage us in ways that we never thought possible. And we have witnessed him use it to encourage other people in ways that we never thought possible. And we have seen God draw people to himself as a result of Not only did you get your hearts broken, but you have looked to me in the midst of it, and you have not hidden your hurt. You have not hidden your brokenness. Um, And it would be a lot easier, and it would probably be a little less painful if we did hide that disappointment, if we did pretend it just didn't happen. Um, And as I wrote that, as I acknowledged it, I just, it begs the question, that I'm going to ask you, and I encourage you guys to reach down and grab your pen and paper and just start engaging. How does your story intersect the story I'm telling you this morning? 
But grab your pen and paper, and I want to ask you a couple questions, and if you feel like an answer leaps out, just own it and write it down. But are you ignoring any pain in your life? Are you ignoring a really tough situation? You're just like tamping it down and pretending it's not there. Because that's not good for you. That's not God's will for you. If you're burying that and hiding that, you know what that means? It means you're trying to manage it on your own, and you cannot. So don't even bother. Don't even try. But are you? Just be honest. And if you know what it is, man, write it down. Are you hiding some secret shame? Are you concealing some disappointment? It's okay to be disappointed with God. It's okay to be mad at God. It's okay to to doubt God sometimes. Just be honest about it. Just be open about it. Just be vulnerable with it. Because if you're not, who's going to help you? He's not going to be able to because you're lying to yourself. I'm not going to be able to because you're hiding it from me. Your friends aren't going to be able to because you're pretending it's not really going on. God is calling us as a ministry into a season of honesty and openness and vulnerability. And he has promised, I will use it to rescue, to refresh, and revive. If you're hiding something, I guarantee that you need rescue, refreshment, revival. If you want it, stop hiding, stop pretending, stop ignoring. Be real, be honest, and be open. Acknowledge the fact that your brokenness, your sin, your shame, your fear, your doubt, and mine, he wants to use that to draw you closer to himself and to draw others closer to him, too. I love this quick little story in John chapter 1. My wife shared this with me just yesterday. I'm like, I love that. Look how much Jesus values authenticity and honesty. This is chapter 1 of the, of the gospel of John. This is right when Jesus starts his ministry, and he's calling his disciples together. He's just cruising along beaches and towns, and he's like, you, 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 come with me. And he said, you, to a guy named Philip. And he said, Philip, come be my disciple. Philip's like, all right, I don't have anything else going on. Philip goes with him. And then Philip went to look for his friend Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about in the Old Testament. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And look at Nathanael's response. Nazareth? You know, Nazareth, are you cut and shoot, really? Like, armpit of Texas, really? That's Nazareth? You gotta be kidding. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. And as they approached, Jesus said, now here, pointing at Nathaniel, here is a genuine son of Israel for there is nothing false in him. Nathaniel just doubted God, snubbed Jesus, rolled his eyes at the good news. He mocked Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, and Jesus' response is like, oh, I like this guy. I think this guy and I are going to be friends. Why did Jesus love Nathaniel's just like, really? Are you kidding? Whatever? Because Philip was not afraid to be honest with how he felt. He didn't hide it. He didn't pretend. He was like, oh, Nazareth, that sounds great. Ooh, I don't think so. He was honest with how he felt. And Jesus was like, I love that. I'm looking for that. I can use that. 
Students, God is looking at you today and he's saying, be honest, be open, be vulnerable. I can use that. I can be glorified in that. God is looking for people who will be honest with him and the people in in their lives. He's looking for people to be open and authentic and vulnerable. And we live in a culture that is just hide your problems. Look at Hollywood. How's it working out for all the people that have been hiding all their garbage lately? It's coming out. And they got no control over the circumstances. You can get in front of your thing. You can be open and honest and vulnerable now. God will use it. All things will come to light sooner or later. You know, the first time that I read this passage in Isaiah 32 saying, I'm looking for honest princes and princesses, I thought it was just talking about our small group leaders, our student ministry staff. Like, we need to be honest. I mean, I called all of our leaders the day before freedom started. I said, be honest. That's God's expectation. But I realize now he was not talking to just me and just your leaders. He was talking to everybody in the student ministry. He is saying, I am looking for honest princes and princesses. And if you will be honest, I'm going to bring about something in your midst, in your day, that our country hasn't even seen in a generation. Revival. I I can't express to you how powerful and how amazing that's going to be. And he's offered it, and he just wants us to receive it. He just wants us to walk into it. And the first step is we need to start being honest with each other and with the Lord. Why does God want us to stop hiding our pain, our temptations, and our frustrations? Because when we hide our struggles, we hinder God from being God in our lives. Is anybody in this room hurt? I know you are. Is anybody in this room confused or doubting? I know you. I am. Is anybody in this room disappointed in any area of their life? You know what God says to that? Good. I can use that. Let, draw, let God draw you closer in those places of hurt and confusion and pain. Let him draw you closer and then be honest about it and be open about it, not just with him but others, and you will see him use you and your hurt to draw those people to himself. 1 Corinthians 6 says, Do you not realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. Therefore, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you at a high price. I know how hungry so many of you are to see like the power of God at work in your life. And I'm just going to tell you, you will not see the power of God at work in your life until you embrace this truth. You do not belong to yourself. God bought you. And when you confessed your faith in Jesus, when you chose to be baptized, when you said it's all about him and not about me, you declared to the world, I do not belong to myself. You made the decision, but your actions and my actions, sometimes they're just a little slow to follow. God is calling us to this, so he will equip us for it. Um, there's a short devotional that I'm going to read to you that a guy named Oswald Chambers wrote, and he's the author of My Utmost for His Highest, and he writes on this topic, and he says, there is no such thing as a private life or a place to hide in this world 
for a man or woman who is intimately aware of and shares in the sufferings of Christ. I'm going to read that beginning paragraph once again. There is no such thing as a private life or a place to hide in this world for a man or woman who is intimately aware of and shares in the sufferings of Christ. God divides the private life of his saints and makes it a highway for the world on one hand and for himself on the other. No human being can enjoy that until he has surrendered his life to Christ. We are not sanctified. We are not being made right with God for ourselves. We are called into intimacy with the gospel and things begin to happen that are bigger than us, that appear to have nothing to do with us, but God is using our circumstances to bring us into fellowship with himself. So let him have his way. Wherever you're hurt, wherever you're broken, wherever you're disappointed, God wants to use that to draw you closer to himself and draw others closer to himself. And so let him have his way. Be honest about what you're wrestling with. But if you refuse, you will be of no value to God in his redemptive work in the world. Instead, you will be a hindrance and a stumbling block. God just said, if you're not honest about what you're going through and what's going on in your life and your relationship with me, I can't use you. Now, the first thing that God does to prepare us for this good use is to get us grounded in strong reality and truth. The first thing God does is, here's my word, read it, learn it, know it, obey it. And as we immerse ourselves in the truth of this word, he helps us bring our cares into submission to his way for the purpose of redemption. So why shouldn't we experience heartbreak? For it is through these doorways, the doorways of heartbreak, that God is opening up ways of fellowship with his son. And yet, most of us collapse at the first grip of pain. We sit down at the door of God's purpose and we enter the slow death of self-pity. It's like the lottery and all that it entails is right here, $600 million. But in order to get to it, I gotta go through just a little pain and suffering. And even though it's there, and I know from the gospel there's this reward there, as soon as I get hurt, as soon as I... I'm tempted and stumble as soon as my son dies. I just want to lay down and die and weep on the floor and gnash my teeth and curse God. And he's like, just go a little further. Just be honest. This sucks and I don't like it. That's okay. But keep pursuing me. Keep being vulnerable and you will receive a reward that you can't even fathom. But we don't do that because we are all about instant gratification. And if I have to go through this pain and suffering, I'm like, I'm done. I'm out. Where's my TV? But that is not God's way. He comes and he takes hold of us with the pierced hand of his son. And he says, in your brokenness, enter into fellowship with me and then arise and shine. Look at the gospel. God 
accomplished his purposes in this world through a broken heart. So instead of hiding ours, we should thank him for it. Brooke and I, more than any other time in our life, our marriage, our walk with Jesus and without, we have just had our hearts just ripped from our chest and broken. We are devastated. I'm having a hard time right now standing up here and talking about this. I'm having a hard time because there's some of you in this audience that are just giggling and ignoring me. And do you have any idea how painful that is for me as your pastor to know you don't even want to hear what I have to say? I'm not saying this for me. I'm saying this for you. Why are you here? If not to draw closer to Jesus Christ and hear the good news that you have hope. It's not on your phone. It's not in your friend's ear. It's in this. We, my wife and I, just suffered like Christ. And so many of you in this room have suffered like Jesus this year. So many of you in this room have suffered abuse and addiction and fear and shame and guilt. So many of you are being pushed around by your anger and by temptation. And you've suffered like Christ because that's our lot in this life. We're not in perfection yet. We're not in heaven yet. We have to walk through this to get there. But God will use our brokenness and our pain to be glorified. Your story of abuse, of addiction, of pain, of resentment, of unforgiveness is exactly that. It's a story. And you need to be honest about it and honest about how you feel about it and honest with God about it and honest with other people about it. And you need to tell your story. Not for the sake of I'm hurt and I don't like it, but for the sake of I'm hurt and I don't like it, but Jesus. They died and they're gone and I don't like it, but Jesus. I struggle and I keep running into the same wall and I keep failing, but thank you, God, Jesus. Two weeks ago, Story Sunday, I challenged you guys, and I felt like this was the Lord calling me to do it, and maybe he's calling me to do it again today, but I challenged you guys. 250, 300 of you just had amazing experiences with Jesus Christ. You went and you wrote out these beautiful things. Like, I have read every single one of these multiple times. I traded in my insecurity for God's security. I traded in my addiction for freedom. I traded in my anger for peace like you guys experienced Jesus on a gut level you knew you know that he moved in your midst and I challenged you for the love of God tell somebody and the main way that I encourage you to do that was use this tool social media where you can impact thousands with two minutes of your time that is not the only way if you didn't do it that way that is okay and yet of the 250 300 people do you know how many people took that challenge and declared God's goodness on social media? Two. Less than 1% of you guys stood up and said, Jesus is awesome and I don't care what you think of me. I want you to know. Jesus did this for me and I'm not ashamed of it. Now maybe you've shared with your family and your friends. Maybe you shared on a, a level I don't even know about. Maybe you're just not friends with me on social media and that's totally fine. But I saw two. God deserved everyone, everyone. Here's the reality. God wants to bless us. He has declared, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to refresh you. I'm going to revive you. He has already started. 
You know it's true. But he will not continue to bless us if we keep it to ourselves. If we hide. If we're not honest about the fact that, man, yeah, God answered my prayer of freedom, but now it's not working out two weeks later. I'll tell you what, God answered my prayer of freedom. He gave me a son. Now he's dead. It's not working out well for me. But I'm going to continue to tell the world, Jesus. I have hope because of Jesus. If I died tomorrow, I wouldn't want you guys weeping and crying and gnashing your teeth and saying, why God? I would want you to know, he knew the Lord. He's with Jesus. You have stories that are so much more powerful than you know. And I encourage you, I'm begging you for the love of God to tell them. Even if your story doesn't have an ending yet. The ending of my story with Canaan passing away, I don't know where it's going to go from here, but I know there's good. I know there's good because God says, I will redeem for good the circumstances of those who love me. So you guys, whatever your story is, you don't have to know the ending. Just trust there's good. Waiting. Walk in obedience. And the obedience that God is calling you today is be honest and start telling the truth. I'm going to close with a scripture. Because God knows that being honest and being obedient and bearing your heart to somebody is hard, but he also knows it's good. And he wouldn't be calling to us, calling us to that if it wasn't for our good. And you guys, he called his own son to that. And Jesus was obedient and faithful, and we know it was good. Jesus, the night before he's executed in the Garden of Gethsemane, He's in the olive grove, and he's with his friends, and he says, will you sit here while I go over there to pray? And he took Peter and James and John, and then Jesus became anguished and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Please stay here with me and watch for God with me. I've never known more clearly on a personal level what that means, to just sit and be crushed to the point of death, but just desiring my family to be close and say, will you pray with me? Will you keep watch with me on how God redeems this? And he went on a little farther, and Jesus, with his face to the ground, prayed, Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done and not mine. There's an Old Testament passage that prophesies this moment, this experience for Jesus. It's in Isaiah 53. And just knowing that Jesus just begged God, I don't want to suffer anymore, please take it. And yet, I serve you, your God. I obey you. Isaiah 53 picks up and says, however, he was struck down. He was not delivered from that moment. He was struck down for the rebellion of God's people. He had done no wrong. He had never deceived anyone. And he was buried like a criminal. And he was put in a rich man's grave. For it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. 
Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When Jesus sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear their sins. Some of you are experiencing things and going through things, and they're not even your fault, just like Jesus. And we can look to Jesus and know God will use that. God wants to use that to redeem not only your situation, but the people around you. And all you need to do is open the door, open the closet, stop hiding what you're wrestling with, and just be honest with God, the way that Jesus was. I don't like this. I don't want this, but you're God and I'm not, and I'll do what you call me to do because it's about your glory and not mine. Jesus was honest with his grief. He was honest with his brokenness, and God used it to save the world, to save those of you in this room right now. And do you know that your brokenness and your grief and your anguish is just as powerful? if you will be honest with it and open with it and vulnerable with it. We're going to respond to what God has been saying this morning, and I want you to use your pen and paper if you would, and I'm going to invite Emma and the crew to head on up here. But I'm just going to ask you a couple questions, and they're between you and the Lord. But I want us to acknowledge today, and the word for me is disappointment. What is it in your life that you are disappointed by or in. It could be family-related, school-related, self-related, church-related, but all of us have some disappointment or other because we're living on earth and we're not in heaven yet. I want you to own that. I want you to acknowledge that. I want you to write it down right now in Jesus' name. Lord, speak to us and stir in us even if it's uncomfortable, even if we've repressed it and forgotten it, would you bring to mind the things that you desire us to be honest with you about? I know all of us are carrying disappointment. Help us acknowledge it. Help us own it. Help us take a step of faith and write it down. I know all of us have some hidden pain or shame or sin struggle. Help us acknowledge it. Help us own it. You want to use it. Show us the hope in it. Encourage us. Help us put words to it and write it down. Student, as you do that, I want to encourage you to just take whatever God led you to confess, own, Acknowledge. I want you to just ask God now, Lord, will you use this? Will you redeem my pain? I know you have a purpose. I don't know what it is, but please, I'm inviting you. Come into my heart. Come into my circumstance and show me the way. Redeem this and use this. Students, there are people in your life that are dying to hear that somebody else struggles with this. And you, more than anyone else around, knows there is hope in Jesus Christ. So invite God to use your story. And I would encourage you with a second question. 
You've acknowledged your disappointment. What is your greatest desire? What do you want in this life? What do you desire more than anything else? Have you ever surrendered that to the Lord? Have you ever given that to Jesus? Have you ever just said, I desire a husband, a wife, to get into Baylor for a car? I don't care what it is. It could be material. It could be spiritual. What's your desire? And have you ever just said, Lord, I give it to you. I'm going to trust it to you. God doesn't just want your disappointments and to use those and to redeem those. He wants your desires. No one knows the way to your happiness, your joy, better than God. And maybe it's your desire that's been standing between you and him. Give it to him this morning. Acknowledge what you want, unashamedly, and then just say, Jesus, take it. Do something with it. Confirm I'm on the right path or change my course. But I trust you. I obey you. I'll follow you. I want to give you guys just a couple minutes, but if you need rescue, refreshment, revival regarding your disappointment or your desire, would you just ask God for that in a prayer to him? Would you just write out what you need knowing that, man, he is listening and hungry to answer you? Jesus Give us the right words to pray right now. Help us hear you and obey you and take that step of faith. You guys got two minutes. If you're still writing, just keep writing and just listen to me in the back of your mind. We're going to respond to the Lord corporately now. And we have available our tithe and our communion in the corners. If you get an, if you get an allowance, you got a job, bring the tithe. God will bless you for it. Take communion today and just acknowledge, man, you did allow your body to be broken. You did spill your blood so that I could be free. You did let your brokenness be used and you rescued me and everyone I'll ever know through it. Just remind yourself that God takes our brokenness and makes it beautiful. Just say thank you to him for allowing himself to be broken. As you do, just consider will you allow yourself to be broken for the glory of the Lord, for a closer relationship with him? 
for the sake of obedience. We have our mailboxes on the doors. And if you wrote a prayer to the Lord and you want to take a step of faith, you can just drop those in the mailboxes on the doors or the one underneath the yoke in the back. If you want us to celebrate it, if you want us to use it to tell what God is doing in your life, you can put a little asterisk on the top right of it. But if anything, just know that every single one of those requests will get prayed for this week by name. And finally, you guys, we can respond through worship today. We can declare in song, no matter what you sound like, that God is good, that God is God, that God's our redeemer, that he loves us, that he uses moments like this. I want to thank you for this moment, that you allow me to be your pastor and share something brutal that we've gone through and that you've been respectful and kind. And I pray that Jesus would use my story to encourage you to know whatever you're going through, there is hope. There are better things on the horizon. Don't give up. Be honest. I'm going to close us with a scripture, and we're going to respond and worship however you feel led. John chapter 4, 21 through 24, a new day is coming. In fact, it's already here. When the importance will not be placed on the time and place of worship, but on the truthful hearts of worshipers. Yes, the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth truth. Lord, forgive us for how much we have undervalued the importance of honesty, authenticity, vulnerability, openness, truth. We invite you. I invite you. Will you come and fill me with truth? May we be able to speak nothing but truth this week. We invite you to weave our story into yours and help us tell the world you are good you are faithful you are trustworthy lead us in our response now in Jesus name we pray amen you guys respond as you feel led